Hey there, podcast listeners. Welcome to Talking Wealth, the show where the wealth within team are on hand to teach you how to become a more confident, competent, and more importantly, profitable trader or investor. Wealth Within was voted number three for stock market podcast globally in 2018, so I hope you enjoy listening. This episode is a recording of our live YouTube weekly stock market show. Every Tuesday night, Dale and Janine stream live on YouTube from 7 to 8pm to answer your most burning questions, as well as analyse stock for our viewers. To watch the show, head over to wealthwithin.com.au and click on the stock market show under the Learning Centre. As a global leader in stock market education, you can fast track your journey towards financial freedom by studying with Wealth Within. Please note that the information in this podcast should not be considered personal financial advice. Good evening and welcome to the Australian Stock Market Show. This is the show where you get to learn about how to make more money in the stock market. You also get to be part of the show by asking us, the stock market experts, to help you through all of those things that may be holding you back. We also answer all of those burning questions you have, give you your, our views on the stocks that you are interested in, plus a whole lot more. Now, tonight we cover some really exciting stocks, including Pushpay Holdings, Z1P, 3DP, Zelle, Aristocrat Leisure, and more. We'll also have some great questions, including one that will help you understand charts better, so stay tuned for that. Later on in the show, we'll present our main topic for tonight, and that is finding growth stocks in 2021, how to minimise risks while maximising profits, so stay tuned for that. Hello, I'm Janine Cox, your host, and joining me tonight is co-host Dale Gillam. How are you, Dale? And we're Australia's most trusted stock market educators. (laughs) I was just so excited to introduce you. I, oh, look, you do it every week, so I'm not <laughs> sure why, why, you were expri- why you were actually surprised at all that anyway. Um, but, I mean, I know I was, I was briefly looking over the emails and, we, and really we have, you know, it was so great to see a lot of people sending in some really, really good emails and thinking about what they're doing, not just asking us about what our thoughts are on a stock or asking for an entry or exit point. I reckon that's really, really fantastic mm. what, what we've seen with the emails lately anyway, so... Yeah, I agree. You know, I love charts and talking about charts, and I'm not going to make any excuses for encouraging everybody to ask about the stocks that they're interested in. However, I do know you want people to ask different questions. Well, I do. As I agree with you that in often cases that we want to hear not what we should be hearing, just talking about a stock does not empower people to be better investors or traders. Yeah, so it's not about telling them what they want to hear, not what they should be, we're telling them what they should be hearing. No, you often tell them what they should be saying and... Well, I know, but (laughs) anyway, that's okay. But anyway, the purpose of this show, as you know, uh, Janine, is to help people become independent and that means teaching and not just giving them the fish and no jokes about my fishing prowess, please, as all I generally catch when I go fishing is just a cold. Oh, yes. The anyway. rod doesn't even bend over, does no, it? No, my rod doesn't even bend. It's just, I just bend over the side of the boat. Anyway, as long as no, you don't fall in. As long as you don't fall in. Remember, this is your show. If you do have a burning question for us, don't just sit there, get active and do something as you never know what might happen. Now, Janine and I are always talking with people who desire to be better traders but are not simply because of the decisions they make today. Now, you know, so it's really, really your choice to do something do nothing or procrastinate. Now, there's one thing I know, and that is if you do something, then something will happen and maybe 
that has been holding you back from getting better results in the stock market. Now, maybe that might be solved tonight, but if you do nothing or procrastinate, then the outcome is absolutely guaranteed what will happen. So send in an email, or better still, upload a 30-second video of yourself to Dropbox and send us the link via through to info at, talking, uh, info at wealthwithin.com.au. Oh, you just can't keep your hands still under the table, can I, you? Hey, I'm going to keep on top of the table or I'll get in trouble. <laughs> Remember to send all your questions into info at talkingwealth.com.au and type Wealth Within Live in the subject line. As always, this is a two-way street and that means right now you need to click on that subscribe button and we'll do our bit to answer your questions. Moving on, it is the third Tuesday in the month and this means... <laughs> When I ask him to do it, he won't. We're going to look at world markets. This is serious. So let's get into the charts right now, shall we? Okay. So what's on the charts right now? Shall we? Okay. If you put up what I asked then. Oh, yes, you did. Very good. Okay. okay so you can see the leaders board there. And at the top of the leaders board for the week, mm. and now this could be slightly different, couldn't it? Um, today's data might not be in the in the system there, but yeah. we can see that um, for the week just, it I'm was 1.33% as in me. last, yep, for okay. last night's data. Mm -hmm. And that was New Zealand leading the way early in the week. But you can it is use the early mouse, days. it's okay. It's all right. I didn't, I oh, sanitised it. I just it. don't want to reach across the desk too far. I sanitised it. It's fine. I get told off because my hands end up in the shot when you're speaking. Mm, all right. Nice. So look, then coming down from that, we can see the S&P 500 index at 0.65. And then below that, we've got the um, all obviously the All Ordinaries Index, which is flat. So you're, you're my assistant there. Oh, Thank okay. you very much. Um, which is pretty well flat. I mean, nothing to get ex too excited but about there. Did you tell them we're missing a day's data? I just did before, but okay. you were looking at me um, looking a at bit me. dumbfounded. So I wasn't sure that you understood what I was saying. So maybe the viewers didn't either. Oh, okay. But basically what Dale's saying is that the data for today actually hasn't come through. It's not there. So we're looking at yesterday's data. So looking at that, we can see Dow, the Dow Jones for the month. So this is probably more relevant looking at the month rather than the week. The Dow Jones is actually leading the board for the month. I know. It's been, it's been pushing strongly, hasn't it? And doing really, really, really well. It's really surprised you though, hasn't it? Um, no, I was saying late last year when I was doing my interviews with Jim Beach for Talking Wealth, I was saying I think there's a change in your guard. I thought technology mm. would slow and that the Dow stocks would perform and the Dow would be better than the S&P and, and, and the NASDAQ. And it has so far. Now, whether that's a trend that's going to keep going for the rest of you, it remains to be seen. But out of the five FANG stocks, only one of them's in positive territory, and that's actually Google. Mm. Um, Apple's down about 8 or 9%, or it was yesterday. I haven't looked at it today. So, okay. Um, so, yeah, so it's right now the Dow is the market to be on. Right. All right. Now, we can see, um, mm. obviously, coming down from the top of the leaders board yep. there, we've got the CAC 40 index, 5.8%. Now, I don't know if... Um, Many people are interested in that market. But oh, so I'll well. come down to something that's probably a bit more common. If we look at the, the DAX index, that's the German market there, 4.9%. European markets are actually up quite nicely. We're seeing the um, 4.47 there for the European index. And then coming down further again, we've got the FTSE 100 up 4.11. So quite nice across mm. the um, that Europe area um, of the globe. And then we come down, we, we've got the Nikkei stock average at 2.77%. India is actually low. Now, India was actually doing really was it, nicely with, with for a while. New Zealand, it was a stellar performer mm. last year. So that's come back a bit, obviously, as well, rest, relative to the rest of the board. But if we come down further again, you can see Australia, the All Ordinaries Index, up 1.13%. 
Uh, the Hang Seng's actually down 0.5% mm. at the moment and the Shanghai Comp's down 25 So mm. Asian markets have taken a bit of a turn mm. and are on the bottom of the board. Mm. But look, it's only, it's only the month we're looking at here. So we should have a quick look at what's happening for the year. And I'll just grab that there. We can see that it's totally different again. So this is a really, um, re these are changeable times, obviously, right now oh, look, on markets. There's, there's a lot of volatility around the market, on the markets at the moment. And we're seeing um, a lot of markets, the momentum is slowing. It sort of took off mm -hmm. earlier than it slowed down. I mean, it's all of them. All the US markets, their momentum was slowed this year. Our market slowed this year, but a lot of them have actually slowed this year. Yep. Um, and looking, I won't say top heavy, but you know, except me, for these ones at the top of the board, though. Yeah, but even those have straight had straight times has done. Yeah, excellent, nine percent up already. It needed to because it was a mm. poor performing index last year, yeah. so it was wag, lagging way behind. So that's where we we're talking about last year. We had the opportunities are more likely to come from mm. the FTSE and the and Singapore, and both of those are performing better this year. Well, look, the well. Asian markets are mm. actually leading. Clearly, you can see them at the top of the board at the moment. Um, so mm. if we look at Straits Times, are we allowed to look at, at the top? Tokyo is slightly below at mm. seven at eight point eight. Then we've got the Nikkei at eight percent, mm. and then coming down from that, the S and P five hundred is all the way down here at five point four percent at the moment. Yep. And the All Ordinaries Index at two point five percent. So we still haven't quite caught up and passed. Um, the US market at the moment. I, look, I, I'm not worried about it. I think we will. Mm. I think we'll do much better than the S&P 500. And this is where we're changing that guard, so to speak. So yep. at the moment, ours has just been held back a little bit. But I don't know whether the S&P 500 and the Dow and that went up last week simply because the stimulus package got approved. Because it's a bit different times right now with that stimulus package because bond yields are going up too. Mm. And the last stimulus package is the bond yields weren't going up. And if bond yields are going up, the big end of town are going to be looking at bonds and taking money out of the stock market. And what are they going to be taking it out of? Which stocks? Mm. They're going to be taking it out of a lot of the big ones, aren't they? Potentially. So, mm. And what was going heavy last year, which was technology. So maybe if they go to bonds, they're going to be taking more out of technology and some of those Sometimes other I think it's like the news catching up to what's already happened. Mm. So, you know, mm. the, the bonds and yields are going up. The money's already come out of the tech stocks, potentially already gone in there. It's possibly so, already gone in there. So it'd be amazing mm. to see if bond yields continue to rise or they'd still keep thinking because what they want to do is obviously stimulate the economy, but then they want to manage, you know, interest rates, they want to manage the inflation rate and everything else. So but be interesting mm. to see what the bond market does. Yeah, I agree. So where to next? So if we look at the chart of the Hang Seng, mm. so you can see there there's the monthly chart of the yeah. Hang Seng. Um, we can see that it's actually pushed up strongly and moving higher. So look, that's one of the markets that we use to compare the Australian yep. market and its performance looking quite nicely at the moment. Cool. All right. Um, we've got a video question, actually. It's our only video question for tonight, and well done, Francois. I think we should get straight into the video, shouldn't we? Absolutely. Hi, Dale and Janine. Francois here. Just wondering if I can quickly ask about the rebalancing of the AX200 and 300 indexes. Are these some of the companies that we should be looking at for investment opportunities? And if so, should we be looking at the companies that was added to the indexes or removed from the indexes? And the last question about this specific stock, I'm looking at Bush Bay Holdings. It looks like there could be a possible entry, tower entry at 175. I don't own the stock, but would be keen on getting in. Uh, your views much appreciated. Thank you. Bye. Cool. What a great question, wasn't it? Well, sorry, two questions that Francois asked us. So I think the first one where he's talking about the indices, you know, the rebalancing of the indices. Now, I'm not sure how many how 
people know when they ever get rebalanced. Yeah. Um, because the ASX don't send out this big announcement going, do, 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 we've changed the index. Well, so, stocks, there are announcements that come out when stocks move from one index to another. Yeah, and we see that. So what's your take on that? So if something gets put into the ASX 200 or ASX 300. Look, I, I, he was talking about whether they go out or come in. And I think if they come into a, an index that's higher, so say, for example, yeah. that they're outside the 200 and then a stock comes in, yeah, definitely that's a good stock to keep an eye on because mm. the fund managers are going to be picking that up. Um, if, it, if it's going out, then I wouldn't think maybe stay away from it because the opposite can happen. The share price could fall because they're actually moving the other way. So. Yeah, but would you be watching the 200 and the 300 or would you be watching the 100 more? Look, I'd watch the 100 more, but I mean, that's mm. essentially because that's what we do in managing our client funds. We're looking for stocks in the top 100 because they're the most liquid stocks. But someone who's an individual trader could be looking for stocks that are coming into the 200 because as an individual, yep. you know, you, you may not have the money that's going to push the share price. You still need to look at volume and see whether you would have an influence on the stock, but it's probably yeah. unlikely that most people will be able to move. Yeah, I was just thinking of, you know, obviously the high, the the higher the index, meaning the 200, the 100, the mm. 50, then the 20, the more money goes into that index. So the more when the stock moves into it, the more the bigger end of town is putting more money into it. Sure, but you can still so, get some good growth from those mm. ones that are coming into the 200. Okay. However, there's some great stocks that have been coming into the um, bottom 200 over over the years that, that have then gone on and moved up higher. So people can make some good gains. I mean, there are some stocks in the bottom of the 100 which are not liquid enough for us. Yeah, absolutely. That are liquid enough for, for individuals. Mm. Mm. Okay, so let's get off that and we'll get on to the stock that he's talking about. Now, he bought in at $1.75. Oh, he was actually su suggesting that that was a potential buy at $1.75. Ah, uh, yes, he was. So he looks like an entry at $1.75 in nine, but he's looking to get into it. I'm interesting... He's looking at $1.75 because he's looking obviously at a weekly chart. Now, Francois has done our um, trading mentor course a few months back. So yep. he's looking at some rules that we've got um, from the trading mentor course to get in. Look, I think he's fine. I think it's looking good. What do you reckon? Look, big picture-wise, I mm. don't have enough data. Mm. For me, there's only just, like, you might be able to get around four years of data, three, maybe three years of data, yep. four. Um, I like five years minimum to see what's going on with the stock, and I, I don't have enough information there for me personally, but I'd suggest that the stock could rise to around $1.92 anyway before it meets mm. resistance. Well, Francois and I have had a beer, and he's bought me the beer, so that was even better, so I like what he's picked. <laughs> and now, Francois, okay. I'm, it's my shout for beer next time we meet and when they finally well now they're finally letting us out and socializing I, I, I don't think i've been in the city almost since when i actually saw friends i met him the first time which was early march last year right so i don't think i've actually no, i'm pretty sure i haven't been in the city since i met him so anyway so about time we organized another time to catch up but let's get into our next question but thank you for that one francois so our first actual email question tonight is from steve who says hi dale and janine love the show my question um is which you sort of explained in a similar question last week is regarding bars, um, candles, and he's got high kin, ashai, etc., etc. Now, personally, I always use candles when evaluating a stock's direction over a, in a weekly, monthly chart, but I really find hiking ashai charts most helpful i can't even say it janine yeah. um you also see i'm an old auto spray painter and i've a lot of experience in rounding and feathering out edges and the concept of a hiking ashai does a similar thing with charts in my opinion 
it takes a percentage uh, of yesterday's stock market, for example, and combines it with today's results. And this in turn feathers out the rough edges and shows a smoother direction of the stock. I like to use them when drawing lines to see which way the market is moving and then compare it with the candles in there asking. He's asking really what our thoughts are on that sort of stuff. And I actually had a look at them today because I'd never really looked at those charts before and they're not even, you can't even bring them up in Optima and I wouldn't use them at all. Um, well, actually, I, I, I like that his comments about feathering and smoothing things out because mm. I can imagine that he's a very creative type person oh, and it. likes to see the finished product at mm. the end. So with the candlestick charts, he's just standing back and having a good look at direction. I don't know. I mean, I started using candlestick charts really early on and then mm. I actually went away from that after you and I had numerous mm. conversations about the candlestick charts. So they're still good, but I think bar charts, you can't beat them for direction. Yeah, you can't, and you can't beat them for looking at um, the emotions of the mm. market and, and finding peaks and troughs. I find it a little bit harder on candlesticks, but candlesticks and bar charts display exactly the same information. Yeah, you did do an example of that recently. On yeah, we shows. did. We did, but these Heike and Ashai charts are different. What they're doing mm. is actually taking, and I can't remember the actual calculations, it's like they take today's close and yesterday's close and take the midpoint of that and then yesterday's high and today's high and take a midpoint of yesterday's bar and then plonk that in and then draw another candle for today. So it's that's what he means by Look, smoothing. it's a study in itself. It is a study in itself, but I'm not, I'm struggling to find the advantage in that. I really am. People used to talk to me about this sort of smoothing effect when you look at GAN swing charts because yes. you can actually allow more bars into the swing But moves, that's different. But that's just showing direction and strength. It is, but it's similar in terms of the concept of thinking about how to smooth things out and I don't know, take a line chart, that'll smooth things out. Well, that, well, that was my suggestion because mm. a line chart smooths it out or even if you just want, just use a pretty, just use a moving average and that just follow the moving average, that will smooth out your trend as well. But when you take the calculations like that and you draw the bar, to me it's, I'm a, I don't know whether I'm a purist or not. You know, probably. It's, but, well, I probably am, but the candlestick chart shows you all of the data as it was, the mm. high, the low, the open, the close. The bar chart shows the high, the low, the open and close. Exactly. This but this type of chart takes out some of that data and averages it. So what the what you're seeing on the screen is not actually what the stock traded at at that day. Yeah. It's an average over a couple of days, and that's where I have a little issue with that because I don't see the advantage. I really don't. Look, I, there is an advantage if things get spiked around. So I could understand mm. in lower liquidity stocks where there's a lot of noise, and you want to try to smooth out some of that noise yeah. and then be able to um, you know to trade the overall direction without getting sort of sucked into those volatility moves. So I can see a little advantage for that for the sh um, more volatile stocks. But I think you've got to look at the raw data, mate. I mean, when you've got yeah. a car there and you're looking at it in its mm. raw form, you need to look at it, the data in its raw form just like you would a bar chart. Because your price analysis would change, some of your other analysis would all change. Mm. You'd have to accommodate this type of chart. As I, look, if it works for you, it works for you. I'm not even going to say, if it, you know, basically, if it's not broke, don't fix it. So if it works for you, that's fine. I don't have an issue with that. But would I personally use it? No, I'm not really... So you went soft on that one, didn't you? No, I didn't. I went pretty... Next what do you want me to do? Smack him over the head and say, don't do that. <laughs> He's probably a lot bigger than you. He probably is. Next we have a question from Sanjay. Hi, Dale and Janine. You guys provided the best show on YouTube for Retail Trader. Thank you very much. Oh, thank you so much. And I'm just wondering why the market is down recently, especially technology sector as bond yield is up um, or may be other reasons as well. Do you think people selling off technology stocks as they're expecting interest will go up in future? What is your 
your view on Zip Company and its chart? All right, you, do you want to talk about the technology side and yeah, I'll just, just get the chart? It, to me, it's just what, it's it's a whole, the stock market is about a pendulum swinging and so peak, stocks will go from undervalued to overvalued and then to undervalued then to overvalued and, and they just keep going backwards and forwards and then on chart they look like that. So that's what's happening and that's really the technology stocks ran a lot harder last year so they're going to slow down on their momentum and what wasn't going hard last year, the pendulum will switch and the money will switch because what will happen is if you bought have a stock at a dollar one year and then it, and within 12 months it's now $5, people still remember it's $1 and $2 and $3 but then it gets too expensive for people so then they start taking profits. Uh, and people stop buying it because they think, well, it is only six months. You're trying to simplify this. this. I understand. Yeah, I'm that, trying to simplify it. Than that. But you're better off buying stocks that are lower in price. So the big, mm. the, the, everybody switches to finding stocks lower, not higher. Yep. And so the, the technology stocks, because they moved pretty high, then they're coming down again. And so that's why we're seeing your afterpays and all those mm. ones coming back because they need to, you know, because they get to that overheated where they outpace their fundamental um, valuation. And Tesla is probably the prime example of that. At one day, I was talking with Jim Beach on my show with him last week on Talking Wealth yep. for my show. And I said, Tesla was valued at its highest price recently, was valued at five times Apple. It's, mm. re it's profits and revenue and that were valued at five times more. But the share price... Because of that's where the share price, but it doesn't make anywhere near as much money as Apple. Mm. Toyota is the number one. You mean the stock market valued it? Yeah, five the times? pricing of the stock market was valued at five yeah. times what they value Apple at. And yet yeah. Apple makes truckloads more money than yeah. Tesla. Toyota sells more cars than anybody else on the planet, mm. right? But Tesla's valued more than Toyota, okay. and Toyota makes more money. Well, I think so. That's what I mean. It was overvalued, so it needed to come back. Okay, I think we better mm. get on to the stock chart. Oh, do we have to? <laughs> Looking at Zip, um, Zipco, we've well, been asked to look at an example of a really volatile stock. Yeah. So we have a, a bit of a look at. Um, I just want to bring up something so that we can see what's going on, and. Just as an example, this is the weekly chart that I'm looking at at the moment. I've got the monthly on the left, mm. but we're seeing 900% in a matter of it's a few huge. months. That's massive. So that's a sort of volatility, but the stock, of course, can come down just as quickly. And in fact, look at this rise here to the February high in 2021. Just in a matter of three months, it's wiped out nearly all of the gains that it made just prior to that. That's weeks. Sorry, weeks. Just in a matter of three mm. weeks, it's wiped out the gains that it's made as it ran up from the 22 January, Huge. you know, it's it's so volatile. Mm. So, you know, Zipco, I think, is interesting, but you've got to be very careful trading this share because it, you, I think if it was me and I was looking to trade it from a growth type perspective, um, I'd be looking to trade that out on the daily chart. I wouldn't be looking at a stock like this to try to stay in there because history is telling you that if you try to do that, look what you're going to get. Yeah. So right mm. now, people will be going, wow, that's cheap. And this mm. is the thing is because, it, you know, um, not too long ago, it was like whatever yeah. it was. What was the price there? $14.50 or whatever it is or more than that. So $14.40, $14.53 it was. It's now down at, it closed yesterday at $8.75. So we're talking about a huge, huge drop in price. And people, yeah. there'd be people out there now trying to buy this stock thinking it's cheap. So you can buy this on good rules, right, mm -hmm. on the weekly chart, but then... 
that the problem comes when you try to sell it. So that's why... I wouldn't be buying it right now. No, I wouldn't be buying it right now either because there's no rule to enter. But I'm saying like in the past, if you look at the history and what it shows, that's what you have to learn from. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yesterday on, on my market report, just to wrap up on this one is, you know, I was saying to people that stocks will move down, they move back up, they move down, they move back up, they move down, they move back in, in a downward move. But they do the opposite on, a, on an uptrend where they move up and down and up and down and up and down and up and down. Hmm. And right now, this any move up now could be just a counter move to this big long downtrend that's likely to keep going. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I look, I think there's no reason why at this point in time, it's not telling me it's going to go up, but it could yeah. go a lot lower. Okay, we've that's got another what saying. question. So now we do have another question. This one is from Fawad. I think that's how you say it. So hopefully I did say that right. The next question we have is from, hi guys, he says, love your talks. I'm very informative and I'm keeping my eye on 3DP. Uh, what do you guys think about this company? 3DP is a stock that I started looking at a few weeks back. It's in um, 3D printing. So it is looking interesting. It's a lower mm. cap stock. They've got a lot of contracts offshore and everything else. And it's already risen too hard. That's why I had a quick look at it because I had somebody else ask me, but it is a low cap speculative stock below what we want, but I wouldn't be getting into it right now, I don't think, because of where yep. it is. I just think it's it's too volatile because what happens is they're coming out with all these news, all these contracts, but the people in the know had already bought the stock already to take it to that high prices mm. and now all the announcements are coming out, all people saying, wow, we should be getting into this. And they're selling it. Yeah, that's into already that. too late, suckers. It's way, way too late. Mm. Um, and to me, that's just a sucker's, um, you know, you might be getting into it just as everybody else is taking profits. All right, now I've brought the chart up on the yep. screen there and I've just put a volume histogram on the bottom there so we can see what sort of volume mm. has happened over time. So say, just to get an idea for how illiquid this share is, the volume over the past couple of months has sort of been around that nine, is it nine million there? Yeah, nine million shares, yeah. Yeah, and you're talking about a share that's worth less than a dollar. Yeah, so it's a very low liquidity. Mm. So, yeah, you could expect to see these sort of rises, but look what it does when it falls. You, you can drop out of bed just yeah. quicker than the other share, that the zip one that we just looked at. Yeah, I mean, I understand people looking at these stocks or finding them in chat forums or wherever mm. they find and go, wow, it's, you know, it's only 50 cents. It's risen this You're much. You're more likely to lose than you are to win on a lot of those shares. And that's what I'm not understanding is that it's that risk that we're going to talk a bit about tonight. So mm. when we get into that, but I, I probably that's a nice segue into our main topic for tonight because I really yep. think it's time to get into our topic to really talk a bit about that. And, you know, really our topic tonight is about finding growth stocks in 2021. So better than what we're looking at at the moment. Now, how to minimize risk without, with, without while maximizing your profits is the title. Now, it's no secret that everyone wants strong returns in the stock market and finding stocks that will deliver the required growth whilst managing risk can be a major challenge, but it need not be. And, and that is what Janine and I hear or help traders with all of the time. Now, the fact is that investors will often say they want to invest in high growth stocks. However, I suggest that they do so without consideration for the risks they are taking because as the saying goes, the higher the risk, the higher the reward. And here is where the little greedy bug really starts to creep in. Now, unfortunately, this kind of thinking leads investors to being unprepared when the market or the stock market they're investing in changes direction. Now, whilst intellectually people know that they can lose, not many consider this when they're investing as they are focusing on what they can make, which is like stocks we just saw. Yeah. So how do you achieve double-digit returns in the stock market while minimising your risk? Ask Janine. 
In tonight's show, that's exactly what Dale and I want to discuss. However, it's more than that, as we'll get into why investors make the critical mistake of taking on too much risk, and in doing so, we'll share with you our thoughts so you can avoid doing exactly that yourself. Before we finish up, we'll also share how you can search for stocks that have a high probability of providing double-digit returns and do so without the risk of losing your shirt. Lastly, we're going to demonstrate how to minimise your risk while maximising profits by revealing the three most important risk management techniques used by professionals that you can start using straight away. That'll oh, help, won't it? It's so important, isn't it? Mm. It so is. But, well, first up, uh, you might ask why we want to share topics like this instead of just talking about stocks. Well, because we can do that till the cows come home, can't we, Janine? Definitely. <laughs> well, the simple answer is we want to assist you to be safe in the market and so you can make more money um, as just talking about stocks or getting stock tips is absolutely not the answer to long-term successful investing or trading, and it never will be. Now, Janine and I believe your number one priority should always be risk ahead of making profits. Now, this is simply a case of cause and effect. If you look after risk, the profits come and come more consistently and in bigger amount. Now, this is in vast contrast to what we or what the many videos we see each day popping up on YouTube and other websites. Now, the cold reality is that your ability to manage your risk well each and every day is the key to creating and holding onto your profits in the years ahead. Now, you can mark my words on that one. I'll remember that. I'm sure you will. Having assisted thousands of people to achieve their goals in the stock market, we found most start out focused on higher risk, lower capitalised stocks, and they're thinking about how much money they can make rather than having a plan to be profitable. Having a plan to be profitable is vastly different to thinking about how much money you can make. Mm. Having a plan to be profitable means thinking like a trader and managing a well thought out process, which includes analysis, rules, and importantly, managing risk. Part of managing risk is working out what you might lose if a trade goes against you, and this lack of plan results in a lack of focus, and this results in people taking unnecessary risks, which means uh, you result, this results in, you guessed it, inconsistency and poor performance. Now, we chat with people all the time who want to learn to trade and most share that they don't want to take high risk, but when we get into conversation, what they share, how they've been trading up to this point is really disturbing. Mm. So most either had no, indeed, or lacked um, any real plan of to profit and worse, they lacked a proper risk management process when they were trading. The majority have no idea about how to properly construct a portfolio along with having no structure around selecting suitable stocks mm. to suit the level of risk they would like to take. Yeah. Now this meant they were exposed to much higher risks than they realised. In fact, once our students learn how to trade properly, they are gobsmacked at how much risk they were taking on and not realising it. Um, so you may be sitting there thinking to yourself, that's not me, as I know what I'm doing. Others are saying, yes, that's me, Janine, that you're talking about. Mm, I, I, think, I really do think that's an important point that some people really have a, a cognitive bias and really can't see the wood for the trees in, in, in all of that. And after all, we don't know what we don't know. And I know I've had a way, 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 way too many conversations with mainly guys who tell me they're trading well, yet they contacted us 
And so that speaks volumes for itself. But when I drill down uh, a little with them and find out that they're way overestimating the level of knowledge and skill and somewhere inside of themselves, they actually know it. And hence, that's really why they you know, contacted us. Now, getting back to risk, Janine, you, you and I chatted about why people take unnecessary risk at length. And in fact, I think this is one of the favorite things we actually talk about. We share some interesting insights and let everyone into our conversation because this is something we talk about all the time now. Mm. Uh, but I can share something with everyone first, and it's an illustration. I think the guys have brought it up on the screen, and I found it on a website called quotemaster.org, um, but I'm not sure who drew it. Now, whilst this is an, a cartoon, this image is, um, is so on the money when it comes to trading, it's seriously not funny. It shows how people's risk analysis is wrong or flawed, and it shows how people handle risk management, and it's really what we see all the time, isn't mm. it? I think that's really cute. We know the number one reason why people take much higher risks than they need to is simply a lack of knowledge. Don't just take it from us. There is a quote from Warren Buffett that states, risk comes from not knowing what you're doing. Now, the issue we find is that a lot of traders will not admit that they don't know what they are doing. So that's part of the problem, isn't it? <laughs> okay, Janine, so just because I don't know there's a bullet in the gun, does that make the gun less dangerous and risky? Or should I just assume it's dangerous and treat it that way? Or should I just say, I know what I'm doing and ignore the risk? Sounds like famous last words to me. <laughs> Good point. But if we know a lack of knowledge causes people to take higher risk, what did we find drives them to do it? Good mm. question. That is a really good question. Well, first one I think is human psychology. I yeah. really do think it's psychology. And that's the first thing. And I know people think, oh, just teach me to buy and sell, you know. Mm. You know, but we, we talk about fear and greed a lot, you and me. We do it, yeah. we're always talking about it. And one thing people watching these videos ask is we keep repeating the most critical stuff over and over and over and over. Oh, you're and talking about cycles in the market and how people do the same things over and over again. Yeah, well, again. people do the same things over and over. And that's why we get herd mentality. We get, doesn't matter mm. what decade it is, we still get the same things happening. Yeah. You know, people, the newbies um, who get into the stock market, they always pick the, the, the CRAP stocks like we've seen a couple tonight. Mm. They tick the low end of the market, the low liquidity in the market because they think they're going to make more money because they don't have much money. But really, I think the big reason is people are, for want of a better way of saying it, I think it's fundamentally lazy. And and it's not really that they're lazy. But, but, you, but you often say that though. Yeah, but it's not really that they're lazy, but it's a, it's a word that I can say that people um, understand, but it's really a fear of failure. Mm. And a fear of failure means that if, if uh, people go, well, if, Mm, I've got a fear of failure, but if I don't really try, then I haven't really failed. Yeah, or so, I'll say so that they, I don't think I can do it. Yeah, mm. so they put all this stuff in there, so therefore they don't put the required effort in, yeah. and therefore they fail, and then they validate exactly what they thought in the first place. Mm. So it's not that they're lazy, but if we said to them, I know if I said to people, I can guarantee you 100% that you'll make X amount of dollars in the next 12 months if you follow this strategy. Everyone would do it. Everyone would do it. And I said, mm. if you don't make it, I'll pay the difference. Yeah. And everybody will put their hand up and do it. But life doesn't have guarantees and note of the stock market. I'd laugh at that. Can you just <laughs> get an offer that one on the show? Chasing, uh, the other one is chasing returns out of a need to make a quick buck. Oh, now, sure, how many yeah. people have you seen who have done that? And part of the issue around that is often we find that there are people who have sort of left things too late. Mm. You know, in their mind, you know, they're getting older. FOMO. 
No, it's no? not so much FOMO. It's, it's an age thing, yeah. I think. And so you find people who like. are logical people who are really sensible, but as they get a bit older, they just tend to do, end up doing silly things because they're chasing the returns because they're worried about whether they're going to have enough for it's retirement. It's interesting, isn't it, how some mm. of the people more senior in the society are taking some of the biggest risks to play catch-up, and yeah. that's the worst time you should that be doing That is the worst it. time. Um, mm. So their investment timeline's shorter in a mm. lot of cases that they've been procrastinating, mm. and that's what's caused their investment timeline to be procrastination shorter. Procrastination works, doesn't it? Procrastination kills, yeah, actually, doesn't it? <laughs> kills returns. It kills mm. everything. No, okay, Janine, now time to ask the tough question so you're ready for it. When someone's taking on high risk in the market, what does that mean to you? Yeah, look, it means a number of different things, but really mm. I think the first thing's really um, it's it's some it's a common thing and it's about a person's level of knowledge. That's one of the okay. foremost things really yep. in the market. Okay, mm. so their knowledge, their skills, experience in the market. Yeah, so yeah. the knowledge comes first, but then you've got to develop the skill. And that's one of the things that people think about sort of in sport. You know, mm. it's all right to actually be told that this is how you kick a footy, but you've actually yeah. got to spend time doing it and then actually get experience on the footy field in a game. It's no point just kicking the footy at the goals and then think, I know how to play football. No, you well, don't. they do. They need to develop the level of knowledge and mm. skills and experience congruent with what they want to trade. Yeah. Now, all too often we find people want to start off in the highest risk area like FX trading or whatever it is or options, you name it, CFDs because they think I'm going to make a lot of money because of that greedy bug hitting in. But that requires a whole completely different levels of knowledge, experience and skills to do yeah, that. Yeah, I'd like to, to have drived a Ferrari, driven a Ferrari drive. When you were like 16. To, you know, when I was 18, have. I would have loved it. Yeah. Um, however, would it, that have been a sensible thing to do? No. no. I mean, should I have tried? Maybe. But that would have been a very dangerous, I mean, it would have been illegal for mm. a start. But And yet we allow people who have got no skills and experience in the market to put massive, to take massive risks that they don't even understand it they're taking. Oh, absolutely. And, we, and I guess the sad part is that we've seen a lot of people really hurt themselves, that their their future and their family. People do dumb things, don't they? Because it actually puts them back. They, they might mm. win for a while, but it's what happens after that that's the real concern, isn't okay. it? Okay. So mm. the next point we want to talk a bit about is how well risk is being managed. You know, to me, how well risk is being managed is really about the process and the rules that investors and traders use. And I know we talk about this a lot, about having rules, having mm. a process. And, and a lot of people just pick stocks because I don't know how many times I get, you know, I say to people, why did you pick that stock? And they go, oh, I saw it in this newspaper or this newsletter. Or I saw it on a chat forum. And I go, what research have you done? Nothing but everybody else had done it. Actually, we say proper rules, right? Mm. So because people could have mm. rules, but are they proper rules? No. Most people don't even have proper rules. When you ask mm. them to explain it, they can't articulate it properly. So that was one of the things. But the type of investment traded is also a real major factor oh, yeah. in the type of what they're actually doing because, again, it needs to be congruent with who you are. Yeah, it's crazy to go mm. out and trade something. If deep down you're doing it just because you think that's the way to make a quick buck or because my friends are doing it. I, I mean, oh, particularly yeah. for young guys I'm saying this for who can be influenced, oh, my mate's doing this. How many people have we had call us and said, oh, my mate's doing this, I want to go and trade that way. Um, we try to slow people down actually and say, look, take a view that's five, 10 years mm. out from now, not trying to do what you're wanting to do in 12 months and then you crash and burn. That's yeah, just... the people that I mentor when we're mentoring through teaching in the trade, I, mm. one of the first things I actually say to them is, is expect that people are going to get in your ear and want you to trade all these different speculative things or high risk stuff. But stay true to yourself. Don't listen to them. Stay, stay different. Stay independent for that. Get through the process and then you'll be really successful. Mm. Um, and so, but if you buy into all of that, you're going to get distracted and you're not going to get to where you want to go. Because I thought yep. it was really, really critical we have to do that with people. Mm. 
Yeah. Um, look, we're going to talk about the, the three most um, important risk management te techniques that anyone can start using today. Now, these are all in Dale's book. So, Dale, which technique do you see as the most important one from your book? Jeez, which one? How do I narrow it down to one? <laughs> you just said it's easy. <laughs> well, it is easy. The first is money management. The second is money management. And guess what the third is? Money management. <laughs> You're making this boring. <laughs> you it. it really is. It's money management, money management, money right. management. And, I, and I've been in a room full of you know, financial advisors and accountants and people like that. And, and I've said to them, I said, I can just get you to throw darts at walls with stock codes on it and I'll make money out of that because of the money management. And that's how important I think money management is. A lot people. of people don't understand what you're talking about. So Correct. what are you going to say? Read the book? Yeah. It's all in your book, isn't it? Okay. So so why? Sure. So why do you consider this number one? <laughs> so why am I considering number one? Well, they can read that in my book, but in fact, <laughs> both books, you know, How to Beat the Managed Funds by 20% and Accelerate Your Wealth, It's Your Money, Your Choice, both have this unit. Um, but but it really does remind me of a quote from Alice in Wonderland by that Lewis Carroll who wrote Alice in Wonderland. And the quote that he put in the book, all the part of the book, he says, would you tell me please which way I ought to go from here, said Alice. That depends on a good deal on where you want to get to, said the cat. Now, I don't much care where, said Alice, then it doesn't matter which way you go, said the cat. Mm. And, and to me, money management is a roadmap to where you're going and it's about planning to be successful and getting where you desire, not just getting anywhere. So when people read my book, they will learn about capital allocation, position sizing, risk, stop loss, exit strategies, entry strategies, and so much more, which are all part of um, money management. Even understanding different markets and the risks associated with those different markets is, is part of money management. People think money management is just how much money I put on a stock. Yeah. And it's not. It's just so much more than that. Mm. Now, I believe number two is what you briefly mentioned, and that is setting a proper stop loss. You guys have heard us talk about that before. In the book, we share a standard 15% stop loss. However, this could vary depending on your strategy and the rules that you have selected for particular stocks. So let's demonstrate how the 15% stop loss is applied on a chart, shall we? I'm surprised I said something briefly. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We're so, going on the charts now, yeah? Yeah, we've actually got, um, now yeah. this is this is actually the energy sector, okay? So it doesn't matter whether it's a okay. stock or market. And I'm, I'll just look at the, um, mm -hmm. the, the the sector chart. Now let's just say, for argument's sake, that you entered in the um, energy sector. We just put a blue line to mark where we entered. So you decided to buy some stocks in the energy sector when they traded up through this point. Okay. And then as the, the stocks or the market continue to rise, then, you know, obviously you're in profit. So what most people do is they're sitting there looking at the fact that they're in profit, forgetting mm -hmm. about the fact that the stock could turn around or the market mm -hmm. could turn around and go straight back through their buy price because yeah. they're only thinking about what they can make, not Correct. what they might lose. So by setting a stop loss, you know, you're setting a 15% stop loss, but just to get an idea, and it's, this is why charting is so important because it's, it's actually important to see where that 15% is and understand what that means from the What's chart the perspective. What's the line in the sand going, that's enough? Yeah. You know, and I've had There's a, two sides to that. It's what you're saying about, okay, there's a line in the sand that says 15%. Okay, well, when we first started talking about stop losses, it was always about the percentage. And I said to you, hang on, people are not getting the fact that they're, because they're not seeing it in dollar terms and people need mm. to really understand understand the dollar value of that stop loss. So you go away and calculate how much money that you're going to put into each of the positions, then you calculate that stop loss, if 15%, 10%, whatever that is, in dollar terms and how much you're risking and say well, mm. to, my, to yourself, honestly, in a light of day, am I comfortable risking that amount? And if you're not, then two things can happen. Either you've got to change the stop loss 
or you've actually got to um, reduce the um, the amount that you're trading with, so yeah. the, the, the allocation of capital to that trade. So just back to the chart, if we come back to that and just have a quick look, mm. you know, that if the stock or market went back through that level, there's a serious problem Correct. with that. Um, tr trade so right there and then. So exit at that point. So that would be telling you on the chart that that's the case even before you look at your stop loss. Okay, so that's from a, the initial stop loss. So what's number three? Number three has got to be using a trailing stop loss. Now th this could include a trend line to manage the trade once you've invested. Dale explains in, in simple terms in his books. So if you still haven't bought yourself a copy, what are you waiting for? Do it now. And if you know that you're really serious about making money in the market, then you're welcome to contact the office and chat to one of our education consultants who've studied our courses. Um, they, these people are traders themselves and they'll explain what your options are. And there are different courses to suit your needs and your budget. So that's really important that we can do that for you. And we're going to talk about trailing stop loss now? Yeah. So look, if for a trailing stop loss, this mm. is a totally different ball game, isn't it? Because we're talking yep. about once the stock or market is actually in a profitable position and you're able to, to manage that. Now, there are different rules to manage it. So some people, what they do is they buy, buy Dale's book, and this can work for quite a few stocks. They'll put a trend mm. line under the chart and say, okay, I'm going to sell um, based on the rules in your book. Yep. But we know based on our experience and knowledge that a lot of stocks will work well on trend lines, but some stocks, to get a better result, you need to actually trade with a different rule. Different rules, yeah. Yeah, so that's why in the course we explain all of that and we actually allow you to become the master of working that out. Now, people might sit there and think to themselves, I haven't got a technical bone in my body, it's not you really neat. You need a technical bone in your body. But you really don't. You need like, a $2 that's the, calculator. That's how you best. started, isn't it? There's a $2 <laughs> calculator, that's how I started. I can still trade with a $2 calculator. <laughs> don't need anything scientific. Yeah, so, you know, coming back to the mm charts and what we're talking about, obviously the trend is up here. So the, the, mm -hmm. the, the index itself has started moving up and I need a trend. You've got all sorts of lines here. What are you doing? I'm oh. trying to make it complex for you. Okay. Now, so obviously the trend is moving in this direction. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But what happens is people yeah. look at that and they say, okay, there's my trailing stop loss, but the stock could fall all the way back and to this, worried about that. this line. And they're worried about that. I wouldn't be. You wouldn't be because what you've found in the past is the fact that often stocks can come back to those lines and they'll bounce back off them again. And they may not even continue come back the to trend. That, but that still wouldn't worry me. Yeah, because it's, and, and if it trades below it, what are you going to do? I'm going to exit. Okay, but there's special rules around how you do that. And that's mm. what we teach in the course as well. Um, you know, how to mm. master that. And this is not just about putting a line on a chart. It's about a process for you. Okay, so this is only one very small part in a process that you can master so that you go into the market and you don't even feel it in the guts anymore when you take that mm. trade. You're in the market, you know how you're going to trade. I, I did t uh, This week mm. I actually put an article out for um, one of the guys who's one of our traders, one of our students. Oh, the full-time traders, yeah. Yeah, finished the course and... And it's just changed his whole life. Him and his wife, he's he now retired. retired. Earlier. Yeah, he's, he's, he's earlier. retired 15 years earlier than he otherwise would. And he said that, he, you know, he doesn't feel it in the guts anymore. And that's mm. exactly what you've got to get to mm. that point where you don't. And, you know, to okay. me, that's a great achievement. For us. We feel fantastic about it because we've yeah. actually contributed to somebody's life. All right, Janine, I know mm. you're really keen to get on some oh, okay. super charts so that we <laughs> can show everybody the stocks that are so good for growth right now. So what are we going to show everybody here? All right. So um, I'll get off my soapbox now for a little you bit. You don't have to. Oh, okay. So I love talking about the charts as I you I don't know. have my sock here from last week. So how to find stocks that are likely to provide double-digit returns. That's what we're talking about. And there are... 
Uh, it can either take a simple process to do this mm -hmm. or a more complex process. It depends on where you're at with your knowledge and your training. Um, we're obviously taking a more simple process tonight. Because you've already seen us talk about sector analysis mm -hmm. on the show before, I've taken a couple of sectors that we, we've been talking mm -hmm. about and a couple that we haven't been talking about on the show so far, but yeah. sectors that typically provide growth-type stocks. Okay, so we are going to look at some growth stocks. Yeah. yeah. Okay, okay, so we want some we want some stocks that produce growth. But first of all, if we look in the um, at the sectors, so before we get into that, we're going to look at the sectors that we. Talking? Yeah, we want to ha actually have a look at um, some growth stocks to start with. And oh, then, yeah. Okay, sorry. No, we want to look at some growth stocks, but we actually want to get to find um, growth. Tell them so how to find look at the those sectors growth first stocks before we get into the growth stocks. Yeah, so to look okay. at the sectors as part of that process. So here you can see um, I've got the energy sector. Now, yep. while at times this sector actually falls quite strongly, it actually can produce mm. some really good growth from yep. some of the stocks within that sector. You know, these sorts of runs, this, this chart only goes back to 2001 because this is when the sector charts mm. first started being recorded on the Australian market, unfortunately. Mm. However, some of the stocks you know, on the, in the energy sector produce really good runs going back, um, you know, decades. Yeah, they do. So um, I'm just looking here and you can see, to, to me, this looks really positive for the sector looks so really far. Bullish, it? If it turned and started to pull back strongly, then obviously it'd be a watch again. But, yeah. you know, you'd, you'd have some stocks on your watch list that okay. are in this sector. The next one I've got, just looking at the sectors, is information technology. Now, we can see there that at times this sector trends up really nicely. And more recently, we've seen the sector go quite vertical, right? Now, at times... These trends can last 12 months, they can last 18 months, they could yep. last three years. Mm -hmm. And so that's a really good thing to look for when you're looking for a growth stock, to look at a growth area in the market. You don't look for short-term spikes. Don't look spikes. for short-term spikes. You know, that's just a waste of time. You want these really long ones. Materials is another one. We know that historically, if you go right back, now BHPs and Rio and mm. FMG are all really good examples of those type of shares. Well, they're examples of stocks that will do 20% per annum quite regularly. Well, we're looking, yeah, we're looking at this sector and it, obviously it only goes back to 2001, as I said, but there was a big long run up. Um, you know, there's been really good runs over the years for all of those stocks, mm. even if they have some periods of extended decline, like mm. we saw in the in the correction that happened in the, in the mining sector into 2015 here. But since then, we've actually seen a really not, nice move up. Now, I'm really, as you know, people have watched previous shows, I'm really interested in this sector long term correct and there'll be some really good opportunities coming up so we're not quite through that all-time high yet um, I think there's a lot of further upside to go so looking at industrials now industrials hasn't moved on mm. since the pullback that we saw during COVID so to me there's some opportunity there um, clearly we can see they're still not through the all-time high or so the pre-COVID low. great stock to buy in that one potentially there could be some really good stocks in this one and then we've got um, the, the mid-cap mid 50. So people looking for growth stocks, typically, Perfect spot. you might look in at stocks that are in the mid-cap 50. So mm. they're still nice and liquid for individuals, yeah. but they're, they're outside of that top 50. Okay. I mean, I personally think the Australian markets, the stocks in the top 50 on the Australian mm. market, they're good for growth. They absolutely, they are. You know, they're and there'll be times up. when even finance and bank stocks, which are mm. typically more plotters that pay dividend and income, they'll do that are a balance, they'll do good growth. Well, I know Cocker, yeah. CSL, if you look at the long-term growth of those over 10 and 20 years, they they, they slam 20% per annum. Yeah, look, I mean, ResMed, the healthcare, mm. I didn't. I purposely didn't put the healthcare sector on there because at the moment we're mm. seeing CSL in decline. Mm. 
and there's some of the healthcare stocks have been sideways and pulling up, but they okay. will be good opportunities at some point as well. So, so I wanted to put so much stuff. into this, but I, I could hear Dale's voice in my head saying, Janine, Cut it down. <laughs> we, I have to go to bed tonight. Yeah. <laughs> Eventually. So, so we're going to look at some stocks now? Or yeah, just doing? quickly. I want to oh, show okay. this watch list of that, the yeah. mid-cap 50. Hold so on, the on the chart there, you can see these are all the types of stocks. Dale was mentioning before some of the healthcare, like we've got ResMed, APT, which people will be excited to see. And I've got a Seek chart of that zero, coming up. Zero is another interesting Financial, one. Whitehaven Coal, New Steel, Coca-Cola, Bluescope, Tabcorp. Yeah, now yep. you're probably thinking, oh, I've Crown. got some of these in my portfolio that you hear Dale reading Oz off. Minerals. These oral, are ordered according wall. to market cap. You don't have to go down to the bottom of the barrel yeah. and drudge the, you know, the what's down in the bottom of the barrel to find really good stocks. Some of these stocks rise to the top at mm. times, and that's where um, you should be looking, in my opinion. Mm. Now we're getting into I some juicy stocks. That. Now I've purposely picked. I've shown you the mid-cap 50 mm. because there are some gems in there. So obviously go and have a look at mm. the list of mid-cap 50 stocks if you can get access to the mid-cap 50 list and have a look at how those stocks are trending. Yep. Then look at some of these big stocks like Santos is a great magic stock. um, company. It's a highly volatile share yep. though. So yep. that's why you know, growth stocks are going to be the ones that don't necessarily pay massive dividends. Yes. Um, they're going to pay somewhere low dividends or below the market average, yep. um, typically around the market average or below. Yep. But Santos looks like to me that it's doing really nicely at the moment. Really nice. So at times it will run for maybe two to three years and then it'll pull back again. So you've just yep. got to be mindful. It's not none of this stuff is a buy and hold that we're talking about. Yeah, it's not long term either. Um, yes. For some of these. So APT is another one. Even though people are saying to me, oh, look, APT's run so hard. You know, I just think it's not going to be a growth stock down the future. I think these guys are going to do, I think they're going to still continue to smash it out of the park down the track. We will see a bit of a pullback. But to me, this is opportunity. Yeah, well, there's just an announcement in the UK actually today. I mm. just saw a post, a post from their founder and CEO. Today. Yep, great. But that's all very good mm. and well, but we don't really care about that much, yeah. do we? We don't add a lot of weight on that. It's more about, okay, the thing to be mindful right, of is bearish. if the tech sector in the US is running, and you've got to watch that because these stocks in Australia will follow because Australian fund managers are copycats. So yeah. um, just keep an eye on that as well. And then we've got FMG. You know, I like Rio BHP. Um, at times I'll like prefer Rio over BHP, and at mm. times we'll pick... FMG, but we're waiting and watching FMG to see how it comes back for further opportunities. But again, this is another one like APT. People think, oh, look, it's run so hard. Do you think there'll be opportunities down the track? And absolutely, it I will do. Be. It think, will be. But you're waiting yeah. for them to come back to levels before we get into them. Yeah, look, they, these are ones that people mm. should be waiting for. Yeah, because mm. it's down for two months at the moment. So it's still falling. Mm. We don't know that the low's confirmed yet. Last one. Okay, these Before are all monthly charts down. again. I've got all oh, I've got a split chart there, so you've got weekly and monthly now. Transurban has really underperformed mm. um, big time. So Sydney Airports is the same. Now this is um, a stock that has, as you can see, just trends just beautifully trends, over time. It? Now it did have a sideways, um, you know, couple went sideways for a few years here. But the key is to be mm. on it for when it starts trending up and look for those entry rules when it does. I just yeah. think it's a while yet. We need yeah. to be patient with this one. So that's an example of another one that wow. is, can be a good growth stock at times, but not right now. Wow, this has got to be our longest main topic we've ever done. Now, you notice I didn't pick the hmm? you know, the bottom of the barrel. People are thinking oh. when you've got to get double-digit returns, you've got to go and pick those no, little penny don't. stocks. You don't. No, you don't. You you've can actually look got anywhere. more probability of picking it on these ones and the, those penny dreadfuls that we see all the time. Yeah, I mean, you can go outside the top 100, as we've talked hmm. about in the show, but... 
um, it can get good stocks in the mid cap 50 easily yeah, and cool. even in the top 50. All right, there you have it, guys uh, and ladies. So, okay, Janine, that was a lot of ground we covered. So, to me, the principles we mentioned were like, uh, were that the same as the Mad Hatter said to Alice? So, uh, we really do need to decide where, where we desire to go and set down that path to get you there through proper money management. And only after we know the path, uh, we get into looking at the stocks that fit our plan or the roadmap, and then we add rules around that to, to manage the risk so we have high probability of arriving at our destination. So it's a step-by-step -step process through there. Now let's get into some more emails, but before we do, remember, hit that subscribe button now, and whilst you're there, give us a big thumbs up and click the like button. Thank you very much. Fantastic. We've got a, an email question from Adam. Hello, Janine and Dale. I found a stock that I'd add to my watch list. I do not intend to buy the stock at the moment as there is no confirmation of a turnaround has begun, but thought I would run it past you both to see if I'm thinking about this the right way. Now the stock is Z Energy, Z-E-L, um, last price 257, COVID low 247, all time high 858. It's got a huge market cap of 1.3 billion, sits outside of the top 200 ASX. Not ideal I know, but hear me out, Investment term, medium to long term, coming off four-year downtrend, which commenced 2016. Oh, gee, you gave me the big one. Had I, a small run-up on the on monthly purpose. chart from September 2020, lasting three consecutive months, but met resistance at 3.35, has now retraced. I need a drink of water. <laughs> the business appears to be involved in essential aspects of energy supply and related products. It's poor SP performance, most likely a result of COVID shutdowns. It is a New Zealand company trading on ASX. A look at its business suggests this company has plenty of years ahead of it and boasts significant major shareholders. And, and upside, when the time's right, a penny stock for your thoughts. Oh, that's very cute. Thank and, you. And I actually took half of that email out. This person's on, I think, module two of our course. And I, and I put it in there just to share with you what students can do. And I took half of it out. And you got me to read and it. And I got you and to you read it. And you never would have allowed me to put a big bite like that in. Payback. At <laughs> <laughs> least you had an easy name to Payback say. Payback for all the big ones that were half the Payback. size of that. Well, let's look at the okay. stock anyway. So Z Energy. Yes. Okay. We can see it on the chart there. Um, code is ZEL. Yep. And you can see that it's traded to a new all-time low. So it's previously its all-time low was in December 2013. But yeah. in 2020 with COVID, it actually pushed to a new all-time low. The, the, Mm. Volumes under the CRAP. Yep. Um, now, it might be pushing out of the bottom there and finding support. There's a possibility it could. So mm. I can understand why um, this stock might have come up onto mm. your radar, ex ex forgetting the fundamentals, because sometimes when stocks push along a bottom like this, then they can, you know, they're going to go one way or the other eventually. Yeah. But the fact that it made a new all-time low is a concern for me because yeah. often stocks are going to go lower when they've made that new all-time low. So this could be, it could be a false rally. It could be the start of a new run, but... Could be. It might be just a basing mm. pattern for years. Yeah. And you don't know. And that's the point. It's it's very, very low liquid when you're looking at, you know, 486,000 shares, 500, 600,000 shares. So very, very low cap indeed. So I probably wouldn't look at that stock. But um, I think we've got another question, haven't we? Yeah. Um, this one is from Jack. Who uh, Jack says, hi, Dale and Janine. As a person who is young and very new to investing, I have two-part question related to the ASEC share market game? Uh, great question, actually, so far. Uh, question one is, do you think the share market game should be compulsory learning in school? Absolutely. Or do you think school should have more emphasis on teaching teenagers about the stock market? Absolutely. So I think they should do both, um, getting into the stock market and using the stock market game. Now, question two, 
In the share market game, I brought Aristocrat Leisure at $33.38 on the 11th of March, as I noticed it was in an uptrend. I think I bought a little too late and I'm worried though it's just a game. Um, it might be headed for downtrend soon um, as it had hit a level of resistance. What do you guys think of the chances of Aristocrat Leisure surpassing the all-time high soon? Great stock he picked. Actually, first I just wanted to say Congratulations. That... <laughs> I just wanted to say, didn't you go in that stock market game at one stage? Uh, I, no, Didn't no, I've win? never been into it. No, oh, okay. never ever. I looked at it for the first time last week ever. All right, there you go. But look, we're looking at ALL here on the screen. Um, look, it's it's quite close to its all-time high, but it does it does look interesting right now. Um, look, I think potentially it's more likely to rise than fall at this point. Mm. But if it were to fall below that low here in in March, then of course you would change your view. Absolutely. I, I think you've got nothing to worry about at the moment, Jack, so that's pretty good. Now, the next question we have is from Nerida, who says, thank you so much for the effort you put you two put into the show. Please know that it is appreciated. Now, I started investing in shares in February last year, and I got a bit carried away. I managed to accumulate 21 stocks, which includes four ETFs. Now, after reading your book, I'm thinking of culling a few of these. Yes, oh, I like that idea. At the top of my hit list is currently Origin. Now, I have a current loss of 8.72% with an average price of $5.23. It's not the worst performing stock in my portfolio, but I have a lot more faith in the turnaround of the other stocks. I just wonder what your thoughts are on the direction of this stock. Thank you in guidance. I think it's a bit of process stuff we have to answer too, not just the stock. In terms of buying a certain number of shares? Well, she wants to cull it down. So mm. when you normally want to cull a portfolio down, what do you normally would do? Well, first of all, I just go and look at the weightings of all the stocks. Yep. Mm. And if I'm holding really small, well, we've done this for client portfolios in mm. years gone by. And if they're holding really small percentages of some stocks, then we that's just the easy pickings. We'll just get rid of some of those. Um, you know, you'd be looking to put some capital and top up the ones that you might want to keep. But it's all about if they've, you know, what the risk is as well, how yeah. much risk they're taking. So that would be another consideration. Can I talk about Origin now or you yeah, still you want can. to talk about the portfolio? No, 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 you can talk about Origin. That's fine. I don't mind that one. Okay, fantastic. Looking at the charts now, you can see that um, I've got the monthly chart on the left-hand side yeah. and the right side is, um, you know, the weekly chart. Now, we know that energy-type stocks are historically quite volatile. Yes. And Origin is one of those. And so don't expect this personality of this share to be calm and nice and trending all no, the time. It won't. it won't be. So that's what we were talking about in the show about mm. risk. If you look at a chart of a stock like this and you think that's really not suiting my personality in terms of the stocks that I want to trade, that would be a way to cull it off the list if it's too Correct. volatile for the type of share that she really she wants to be trading. Mm. Correct. But I often find people think, they go, oh, I don't think this, this stock's going to recover or mm. do that well, and I think these ones will. But most of it's just best done. Most of the time I find people just guess. Yeah. And the ones they're thinking of selling are actually the ones that I like the best. Yeah, well, you've actually got to have a reason. So, yeah. like, if the stock was to continue to fall, then mm. I might say, well, okay, yeah. it's more likely to fall away and it could take out that low. Yeah. But but what if the stock starts rising next week? Would you hold it? Yeah, I would. Mm. I'd still hold And to me, don't cull just because, in the book says eight to 12. Don't cull just because of that. Cull because the stock's telling you to get out of it. Yeah. So it's not, we're not taking higher risk right now. Um, just slowly get rid of the stocks as they give you sell signals. And that's really all that's I can advice, say about yeah. that. Okay. So that's it on Origins. Last week, I shared an inspiring quote by Benjamin Franklin, and we had some great feedback. So thank you. And I have another quote for you this time from Albert Einstein, who said, education is not the learning of facts, but the training of the mind to think. 
This is so relevant to trading the markets as so few we talk to really understand how to think through a proper process so that they're successful. Rather, we see the majority follow the herd thinking that the person leading the charge actually knows the way when in fact they're just as confused as the majority. Mm. So you see this on chat forums. That's what you're talking about, yep. isn't it? Yeah. You're investing your time watching our YouTube show in order to, for you to gain some knowledge around investing and trading stocks. And hopefully you're learning that those who are good are self-directed traders and are not those who follow the herd. So I'd like to thank you. Um, that's to everybody who contributed to the show tonight. The more questions we get, then the more we share our thoughts and knowledge on trading and investing and the more everyone benefits, which is great. Mm. So remember, watching this show is only part of your journey. You may have a question on your mind or maybe something's holding you back that we can fix for you. So as Dale said, do something and if you're serious about understanding the stock market and how to consistently profit, then that's something you can do is call us. You can call our office on 1300 858 272 or email, email, email. <laughs> info at wealthwithin.com.au. Cool. Now, we hope you've enjoyed tonight's show and may I give a big thank you to those who participated. Uh, as always, we're here to help and hope that what we've covered tonight has made things just a little clearer for you and helped you so as to make your journey a little better and a little easier. Now, as always, this is a two-way street and you are actually part of that. So hit the subscribe button and show your support for the team who work hard to bring this show to you each and every week, not just Janine and I. If you enjoyed this week's show, then put it into your calendar to join us right here on the Live Australian Stock Market Show every Tuesday at 7 to 8 p.m. If you would like to have your questions answered on the next show, or if you have a topic that you'd like us to cover, please send in an email to info at wealthwithin.com.au and type Wealth Within Live in the subject line. You must email before 3 p.m. on the day of the show. Fantastic. Now, as always, thank you for joining us and we hope you have a great week. We look forward to you, uh, you joining us again next week, but for now, goodbye, good luck and good trading. Bye for now. Thanks for listening. This podcast is brought to you by Wealth Within, a global leader in stock market education. For more information on our courses or to listen to more Talking Wealth podcasts, head over to wealthwithin.com.au and click on the Talking Wealth podcast under the Learning Centre.